you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Change is hard. Irrelevance is harder. Change is not risk. It is opportunity. Today, the greater risk lies in staying put. Change before you have to. Always. And understand that you always have a choice. The only catch is that if you don't exercise it, choices will be made for you. Change comes with roadblocks. There will always be something in your way, always something pushing hard against you. In this regard, speed is an ally to overcome these barriers and momentum helps crash through all that stands in your way. Change does take a village. And lastly, the surest way to stay true to who you are, company or brand or even as an individual, is to reinvent so as to continually become the most powerful and relevant version of yourself. Hey, Oliver Banks here, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This one is episode 87, and those were some pretty powerful words that, actually, I didn't make up myself. I was just reading them from a fab book called The Reinventionist Mindset, and today we're very lucky to be having the author, Joe Jackman, join us on the show. If you don't know Joe, he is the CEO and founder of Jackman Reinvents. He advises consumer brands and retailers and other businesses and has done for more than 30 years with some senior roles with some massive companies like Loblaws, Walgreens, Old Navy, part of Gap, Dwayne Reed. Joe has been working on some of the huge brand reinventions that there have been. He's a strategist, a creative director, a marketer, and now a reinventionist, which we're going to be diving into in today's conversation. Now, I'm really excited about this particular conversation for a few different reasons. One, because Joe's book, The Reinventionist Mindset, is fantastic, if you haven't already gathered from that little reading right there at the start of the show. It really resonated with me, and I took a huge amount from it. It was a great read. And secondly, I'm very excited because Joe Jackman is the closing keynote speaker for Retail Transformation Live, the virtual conference on the 9th of July to help you get fit for the future of retail. And in that session, Joe is going to be exploring the reinventionist mindset in a whole load more detail. So today is going to be excellent listening to help get you ready for that conversation at Retail Transformation Live. If you've not already signed up, Why not? You must join us. It's on the 9th of July. It's absolutely free. It's all virtual. So wherever you are in the world, I look forward to hosting you. There are tons of other amazing speakers and you can find out everything you need at retailtransformation.live. That's a website, so retailtransformation.live. And you can sign up there, like I say, for free. And I enjoy giving you a wealth of insight and ideas and inspiration to help you successfully transform and successfully reinvent. So let's get on to this conversation with Joe. If you want to check out the show notes from today, they're over at obandco.uk slash 87. 
This is the first of two parts of my conversation with Joe, so do make sure you hit subscribe to the podcast and come back in episode 88 for even more golden nuggets. Right, here's Joe Jackman. Let's go. So today I'm really super delighted to welcome Joe Jackman to the Retail Transformation Show. Joe, how are you? I'm well, Oliver. Thank you for having me on. It's a great pleasure. Well, really, the pleasure is all mine, I have to be honest. And many congratulations on your brand new book, The Reinventionist Mindset, which we're going to be exploring a little bit more today. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a fantastic read. Well done. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful for you reading it, and, and I'm glad you found some value in it. It was, it was fun to write, I, I must say. These things are always a labor of love in some ways. It was great to be able to reflect on you know, many years of helping businesses transform and and pulling uh, from that the lessons and and uh, the feedback has been wonderful. And of course, we're you know in a time of COVID nineteen where change is upon us as never before. So <laughs> I could I could not have predicted that when I launched the book. No, but actually, I mean that's a really good point because you obviously you did write it before the current pandemic. But it's as we were saying just off air, it's so relevant right now. You know, you couldn't have picked a better time, frankly, to start talking about reinvention on a bigger scale. Yes, the the conditions for success uh, are as never before, and and I find that is is maybe a counterintuitive and perhaps even provocative point because most businesses are, as you know, focused on things like liquidity management and just surviving, and are not necessarily thinking that this is potentially the greatest opportunity since immediately following the Second World War in terms of building you know, vibrant, powerful, high growth propositions and experiences. And that's, Mm. I believe to be, you know, true. All the conditions are there for success. This is an incredible opportunity, but unfortunately it's steeped in, you know, all the pain and and challenge of, you know, a full-blown crisis that is laying many businesses to waste. So I do appreciate, I don't want to come off as, you know, being completely tone deaf to, to the challenges out there for leadership teams. But once they can get past the crisis management and, you know, making sure they've, they've got the wherewithal to get through to the other side, mm. what a wonderful opportunity to create new value, both for customers as well as stakeholders. Definitely. It certainly feels like the grounds are shifting and our new world will be forming, you know, right before our very eyes. It's really quite exciting from a slightly weird perspective. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's strange, you know, strange times, but in every crisis there, there is opportunity and, and many, many indicators uh, that support that view in research, mm. you know, and, and observation that we're seeing uh, across our businesses that we're supporting as well as beyond. Yeah, absolutely. So your book is called The Reinventionist Mindset. Let's just all get on the same page, Joe, if that's okay. What do we mean by reinventionist and I suppose reinvention? What does that mean to you as well? So reinvention, perhaps counter to what the instant reaction might be, where it suggests that we're going to throw everything else out and start again. Often that's the interpretation of the idea of reinvention. But in fact, it's the opposite. It's to take what is unique and special and powerful within a business, what's rooted in its DNA, 
what gave it uh, a life in the first place and opportunity and growth to take that and pivot it in a way that is more relevant and powerful for today in today's context. So really, reinvention is simply becoming the most powerful and relevant version of you know you and your business mm. and giving it its next act. You know, if you think about it, if you break it down, there was an invention to start. Yep. And you know, many of these businesses were net new uh, to the world, and they grew and they prospered and they scaled, and then eventually they ran out of growth, but also underlying relevance. You know, the way they did things were perhaps offside. So along comes the re, which is simply return to what makes you unique and relevant and, and special. Mm. Understand that deeply in the context of what expectations are today, and then you know reimagine every uh, aspect of how you show up. And the term reinventionist, I just made up because I thought, well, someone who isn't a master of reinvention must therefore be a reinventionist. <laughs> and, and the definition for me is really, you know, a master at the art and science of transformation. You know, uh, someone who is uniquely equipped to make change uh, possible and to be efficient uh, about how that's done. And, you know, that's what I've been learning in the last. 12 years, but as it turns out, when I wrote the book, it, it, it has roots that go all the way back to my childhood and how I thought about change. Uh, so thank you for mentioning the book. It's essentially you know, a synopsis of here are the very, very simple principles, uh, a mindset collectively that uh, are really, really helpful if you want to get good at change. Mm, I think it's fantastic. And yeah, I love the term reinventionist as well. I've often thought transformation what is a someone that does transformation and obviously transformer is the word but i think that might be trademarked already but uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's right it involves all sorts of you know mechanical things you know to turn one from a from a car into something you know big and powerful <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know as, as we're thinking about um reinvention and reinventing oneself you know unfortunately maybe some retailers have left it too late and unfortunately, we've seen a number of companies paying the ultimate price in recent times. Mm -hmm. You talk about the need to reinvent yourself when you're riding the wave, when you're at the crest of the wave, rather than once you've wobbled or once you've fallen off altogether. And I, I think even with coronavirus, many retailers probably will still struggle to truly accept the need to reinvent, hoping perhaps that tinkering around the edges will be enough and we'll see them through. Mm -hmm. So why should a retailer look to reinvent themselves rather than to optimize? Well, it's a really fascinating distinction you're making between optimization and something more substantial, call it reinvention or transformation. Mm. And, and I think both have a place in and a role to play in keeping businesses healthy and on point to what's happening in the world. Unfortunately, the, the optimization or in management consulting terms, point solution work, you know, being efficient in process, being disciplined on the cost side, operational evolution to make things, you know, easier and, and more effective. All of that is very, very important. It was then, it continues to be now. But it is not a substitute for the regular 
re-examination of where a business is in its life cycle, where the world is moving to, and, and of course, the business looked at within that context, and then opportunity to continually innovate so that you can, if you're a leader in a particular category or, or amongst the leaders, so that you can keep pace with the disruption that's happening uh, pretty much in every category today. Mm. So unfortunately, what happens though is leadership teams, and particularly when uh, they're publicly traded companies, will get on to the continuous work of improvement to eke out you know, a performance bump here or you know, better margin there, and will mistake that for that more robust, you know, now more frequent need to look at everything again, fundamentally to ask and answer the big strategic questions. And, you know, in my dad's generation, you know, as an executive in a big retail chain, that might be something that leadership teams did on some, you know, at least a decade, probably more like 20 year cycle. Mm. Uh, strategy was something that lasted a long time by definition and everything else in between was just, you know, optimization. But today, the world's changing so quickly. Technology is enabling that, of course, but also changing consumer expectations, changing dynamics within categories and so on, that really businesses need to be doing that on a two to three year cycle mm. as different from a 10 to 20 year cycle. And in that is, I think, something really profound. Where are we in the world today and how has the world changed? Because you know, it's a river. If, you, if you're not on it and moving forward with it, the likelihood of standing still in a river is pretty, pretty slim and, and the outcome is often you know, sinking below, below the surface. Yeah. Well, then along comes a crisis like COVID-19, which essentially changes that dynamic or puts it into overdrive, where all those businesses that, that I don't know if they resisted change or more transformative initiatives, uh, holistic initiatives to, mm. to refresh their value proposition and their customer experience. But if they weren't actively resisting it, they, they weren't actively embracing that. And they were just you know, doing things that they thought were helpful. They weren't big risk. Uh, that made them all feel like you know, they're being prudent. And yet the world was moving on, quickening its pace. And the actual fact of retail today is that the majority of retailers are laggards mm. to what the new expectation and the, and the new competitive dynamics are. And then the crisis is actually just laying that bare. Yeah. Consequences are what we read about every day. And I suppose if we were to rewind the clock, I guess we've seen that playing out over the past, what, 15, 20 years or so with the rise of e-commerce and how some retailers have been really quite slow to get onto that particular bandwagon or resist it altogether. And, you know, they've they've paid the price in terms of market share, in terms of getting to the party late and learning, actually, how do I do this e-commerce thing in a profitable way? And of course, now that's the bit that is shining for retail and saving many retail businesses. And it's not a natural skill set for some retailers, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about, say, the big clear advantage today is is to be digitally built to be ecom equipped to have your supply chain supporting delivery 
uh, curbside pickup, other means of getting product that doesn't involve visiting a store. That really is the advantage. And of course, there's many examples you could point to uh, that have done all those things and really dialed it up when the crisis hit. Mm. Um, you know, scrappy, lots of scrambling, you know, because the volume shifted so quickly uh, from physical stores uh, to digital and direct delivery. Mm. But those that were thinking over the last decade that, well, you know, e-com might be a potential for us. We probably should have something there. But, you know, the big capital investments to start to not only stand up platforms that are efficient, but retool the operating estate, if you think about distribution centers and so on in retail, yep. to be, you know, you know this world very well, to be plumbed appropriately for that new world. Most retailers said, well, you know, they're pretty small penetration. And, you know, depending on which category, maybe a couple of points of sales are happening in that way. Mm. Uh, or in some other categories up to, you know, the high teens. But all of that not sufficient enough to say that's where our emphasis should be. That's where the lion's share of our capital should be focused. Mm. And unfortunately, while, you know, it was a slow build or, you know, many people just saying, well, let's wait and see. Let's, we'll do something when it becomes, you know, a significant part, not a rounding error on our, on our store sales. <laughs> the, the world of disruption, you know, came and suddenly, you know, massive share shifts were taking place because, you know, mattress sellers were going direct and, you know, circumventing yeah. retail channels entirely. And, you know, Harry's razors and Dollar Shave Club were taking big chunks of share from the conventional players mm. and, you know, on and on and on across every category. And that combination of digital direct laggard and not ready for the, the, the new ways that consumers today want to buy and are prepared to buy has put a lot of businesses at risk. And then the third factor, which I think is the most significant of why we're going to see many more bankruptcies, is because many retailers, particularly fashion retailers, were operating very marginal businesses. Mm. You know, think about the degree to which product, new product will hit the shelves and how fast today it goes on markdown and how quickly, you know, price is commoditized with like for like you know, players duking out against each other. And it's just a race for the bottom. And of course, the consequence is margin. Yeah, cash flow works, but yeah. profit and loss doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And then that boat anchor of real estate, which, you know, those deals in most built-out scaled retailers today, those deals were done, you know, years, if not decades ago. And much of that mm. real estate has shifted from, you know, what might have been tier one or tier two quality real estate, you know, as the world moves and, you know, the downtown centers become more vibrant and the suburbs become, you know, maybe less where younger people with, with uh, you know, money in their pockets wish to be and spend. Real estate, you know, is like marketing in slow motion. It's just, you know, it's just happening. And one day re retailers looked up and said, wow, we have like 50% of our real estate portfolio in the, in the worst possible quality real estate. And that has caught up with them in a, in a crisis world. You know, 
if, if it was bad before closed stores in, you know, marginal real estate, reopening to capacity restrictions, et cetera, all of that is just a knockout punch for many. On one hand, I feel badly uh, for those retailers. On the other hand, I say, well, you know, there's about to be a deck clearing, a, a, a reckoning that's going to open up a lot of share, a lot of opportunity for those who aren't beholden to the past. Mm. Absolutely. And you hint there at what it takes to really successfully transform. And it, for me, it certainly all starts with actually having a strong will to transform across the business that actually it says, you know, we recognize things are changing. We recognize that there are certain parts of the business that are losing relevance or financial performance, whatever. Let's do something about it. Let's really be honest and do something about it. And if you don't have that strong will to change, it absolutely can be an anchor on the transformation before you've even started. Mm -hmm. But if you are, let's say, Joe, if you are a single change agent, someone in a business that recognizes what is going on and is suggesting a plan forward, if you're just there by yourself, you risk looking like a madman running around going, ah, the end is nigh, the end is nigh. Mm -hmm. So if you are that sort of lone person that recognizes the need to transform, the need to reinvent, or maybe a small group, certainly not the whole organization. How do you build momentum and support mm -hmm. for going through that big change, particularly if you're in a large legacy retailer? Mm -hmm. Well, here, here's a couple of thoughts. First, start with the understanding and, and perhaps introduce the thought into conversations that as business leaders, retailers included, we're very good at assessing the risk of doing things um, differently. You know, prototype ideas and pilots and, and, or perhaps even wholesale change to business models. And we'll put a lot of emphasis and spend a lot of energy to understand what the, the risks and the rewards are. But introduce the idea that if we value reliability and predictability, we want to identify risk and think about how to mitigate it. Let's spend at least some time and energy and intellectual horsepower on assessing the risk of the status quo. And I think if you can get that idea introduced to conversations at all levels, that yes, we want to smartly go into the future. The future isn't predictable. We need to place some bets. Let's understand what the reward for placing those bets might be and the associated risks and how to mitigate. But let's also put into that conversation the risk of staying put. Mm. And so good. That idea of reliability and predictability is such an important piece. So have the conversation about let's examine the status quo through that same lens. What can we rely on? What can we predict from what we know and believe in as our model, as the conditions for that model's success, you know, now and going forward? And to bring a, a more expansive view. Because what you're trying to get at is the, the human bias towards stasis to, to say, look, we don't know what the future would bring. Uh, there, there is not an appetite in most businesses to make any kind of big bets or, or uh, to make big changes. Mm. So let's accept that. And let's simply ask ourselves a couple questions. How long do we have as running room? on the status quo. 
within some kind of you know confident measure. What do we think are the things that are going to cause us at some point to revisit the tenets of our business, our customer focus, our strategies, our business model, our value proposition, you know, these big rocks. And let's look at those things in the context of opportunity as well as risk. But let's presume one important thing. Let's all accept that no matter what happens, what we do today will be made irrelevant. And, and I think that's something that most leadership teams, you know, in a quiet moment will, will nod their head and say, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, feeling a little uncomfortable at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every strategy will fail. So let's accept that. And let's now look at possibilities. The second part, and I, it's a two-part answer, and I apologize if it's a little long-winded. No, it's so good. <laughs> the second part is there should be really no big bets. It's funny, as, as a self-proclaimed reinventionist, I think people think of me as some kind of you know, maverick that goes into businesses and wants everybody to make big bets. Absolutely not. I take equity in most cases in the businesses of some form, the business I work with. And so I'm just like leadership teams, mm. you know, I have a stake in the outcome. If, if we get it right, I don't want to take big risks. What I would rather do is paint a picture of what the business has a right to become with thoughtful choices based on, on good analysis, both facts and feelings, insight intuition and so on and paint that picture of of an outcome that we could achieve on our, on some very disciplined you know reasonable basis and what the financial reward as well as other rewards would be and then design a series of initiatives which are not bet the farm initiatives they are just simply how do we test and learn our way into the refinement or the replacement of our business model. And as these things move forward, the learning comes, these things are working, there's real opportunity there, here not so much. Maybe the things that didn't work in the first instance get refined until they do. And pretty soon by, by taking that you know, very, very pragmatic, proven move approach, what you'll do is migrate the business to the new from the old without ever having to say it's a uh, a black or white decision. It's a then and a hard cut to the future decision. We don't like those. No one does. But there is a way to actually you know, create the future mm. when we can't predict it. We know that. But create it in a way that we're participating so that we can make sure that you know, as good stewards of a business, we move it forward very prudently, very pragmatically, and yet boldly. And and until the day where we say, wow, those things are really working. Now let's keep managing the past where our money is made. And now let's start to scale and go fast to scale on the things that are going to eclipse the past. And that, you know, that's what I outline in the book is how to, how to do that, the human how of doing that. Because ultimately, it's not, it's not competitive realities or consumer expectations that you know, prevent businesses from becoming their, their most powerful next act, it's the people that lead them and the cultures that control them. Yeah. That's where the plumbing needs to be or the rewiring needs to be done just in the way we think and behave through, through the process of change. And that's a really big fundamental 
and massive golden nugget for everyone to be taking away. It's not actually about that, like you say, the shifting consumer habits or the increased digital capabilities of, you know, a particular technology. It's all about the ability to make changes, the ability to transform and the ability to reinvent yourself. Yes. And and to have some passion around it, like I, I say in the book, and I've had a few uh, folks uh, react, <laughs> it, it's as simple as this. It's, it's human nature. Like if I'm speaking to a leadership team and I say, look, you've got a fantastic business, incredible position, lots of market share, distributed reach across a geography or many geographies. You've got all these things going for you. You, you have really the birthright and the position to to now lever yourself into the next act mm. uh, that's going to be right for today. And yet, you will instinctively go to less risky, tweak this, incrementally improve that, and miss that opportunity whilst others you know, new to your category in lots of cases, just chip away at your share with new models that you dismiss and say, well, those are tiny and they don't really matter. Mm. You know, ask yourself just this fundamental question. If anyone could create the better, more powerful and value creating version of you, wouldn't you want it to be you? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, to me, that's, that's how I think about it, uh, you know, as a, as a reinventionist. Like, uh, listen, I, I'm never going to stay put. I'm going to constantly evolve because that's what successful organisms do. And if anyone can replace me, it's damn well better going to be me. <laughs> at least I'm going to take the, 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 the most strenuous run at, at that and keep pace. And yet, you know, there's lots of factors, lots of forces that, that keep people in the place that they're at. And, and uh, the other controversial thing, or I suppose maybe dramatic uh, statement in the book is there's a serial killer on the loose and it's coming uh, for every business that, you know, is not keeping pace. It's, it's called the status quo. Mm. And, you know, you can either be outrun and taken down by it, or you can outrun it. And, uh, you know, you're, the choice is yours. Um, <laughs> Simple choice <laughs> really, isn't it? Yeah. It's that burning yeah. platform. Yeah. It's that, the burning platform. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, 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 there's so many things that I that jump to mind. I, I think about that great uh, animated uh, cartoon years ago, um, The Grinch, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, mm. uh, the great, the great Doctor Zeus tale. And you know, he's up on the mountaintop, uh, you know, maybe like some leaders and um, scheming how to stop Christmas from coming. <laughs> well, you know, here's, here's the news. Christmas is coming. So what can you do with it? Uh, and, a, and a new Christmas is coming around every corner. So, Absolutely. So, Joe, this has been really fantastic. What I'd like to do is to continue the conversation next time. Would that be okay? That is more than okay. I look forward to that. Fantastic. Well, I'm really looking forward to the next part of our conversation, which is coming next week. Thanks, Joe. It's been a treat. My pleasure, Oliver. So how did you find that conversation there with Joe Jackman of Jackman Reinvents, exploring his book, The Reinventionist Mindset? And as I was mentioning right at the start, do join us at Retail Transformation Live and you can make sure that you dive a lot deeper into that mindset, the reinventionist mindset. Joe is going to be our closing keynote and you can sign up for your free spot 
at retailtransformation.live. That's retailtransformation.live. And of course, if you're also looking for the show notes from today, then they are over at obandco.uk slash 87. Right, my friends, we're going to wrap this one up right here, but I look forward to joining you on a future episode of the Retail Transformation Show coming at you very, very soon. And do remember, pick up that free ticket to Retail Transformation Alive, the virtual event to help you get future fit. Bye for now. 